What's up, comic book fans? Anchor Pete here, and I am with my good friend Brian. We are here to talk about two things. We're here to talk about Young Justice season four, which is called Phantoms, and it's episodes 14 through 16. They just premiered on HBO Max. And then after that, we're going to talk about Marvel's uh, new Disney Plus show, Moon Knight, which episode one just premiered yesterday on Wednesday night. So, um, for those of you that are new to our channel and stuff, I know a lot of people came over because of um, Raised by Wolves. When we talk about anything with Young, Young Justice, Young Justice always goes first because that's the one that's always around. There's so many episodes of it. So, uh, Brian, so right off the bat, we are like diving deep and going to Aquaman's world for this. Yeah, song. seriously. And there were so many. Like, you, you mentioned uh, in, in a message to me that it, it was like Atlantean game of thrones and like yeah it, it is there's there's all these different houses and cities and so many characters whose name i did not remember <laughs> yeah it, it's interesting like because i think that if you go from like our time as kids to now some of these dc characters have actually changed a lot a lot of characters stay the same but some of them sort of the ones that aren't as big as like batman superman they have like a big shift and i remember when i was a kid Aquaman was very much just like this underwater superhero and he was always kind of saving people in boats and um in like the 90s I think it was like with Peter David they started to do this shift where they really focused on like the royalty of Atlantis and that's what they've been focused on with that character since then yeah I think it's a good shift too uh I mean if if you look at the the, the public perception of Aquaman from like you know, the super friends cartoon and other things, it's kind of like kind of jokey, you know? So, yeah. um, and, and honestly, it, the, the, uh, kind of houses and family things is kind of like perfect for it really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes the character way more compelling. They totally went in that direction for the Aquaman, Aquaman movie directed by yeah. James Wan and, you know, starring Jason Momoa. Um, I think that movie's pretty goofy, and um, Jason Momoa is very charming. But I think that the main appeal of that is like the underwater stuff with um, his brother Orm, who's in this Young Justice arc. He plays a big yes. part in this arc. Um, or is he? Oh, or is he? That's right. Yeah, we're gonna touch upon that too. But it's just, um, I, I really did feel like a crossover between that Aquaman movie and this Young Justice arc. Like I feel like they're trying to kind of capitalize on that because um i think had it not been pushed back as much that aquaman sequel would have been coming out right around now right uh yeah um obviously covid movie productions have all been messed up so everything's getting pushed back constantly i i don't think that's even that's definitely not this year it's next year right yeah 2023 and yeah. I, i'm a huge patrick wilson fan you know he plays orm in the movie i think that they would have had orm you know, I know for a fact and he's in the Aquaman sequel and he like is in prison and he maybe escapes or something. So I think that is very similar to this arc that we have here. Yeah, so just to kind of give you guys a breakdown, we're just going to talk about episodes 14, 15, and 16 as a big clump. And, uh, you know, episode 14 was Nautical Twilight. Episode 15 was Ebb Tide. And episode 16 was Emergency Dive. So um, basically... Aquaman has brought together these people from different city states to figure out what they're going to do because there's all these different crises going on underwater. And one of the big crises happens to be that us asshole humans are ruining the ocean. And uh, there's a certain guy that's not a big fan of that, right? Yeah, that was, that was Garth, right? Aqualad? Well, Aqualad not? was not happy with that, but um, what do you call it? King Shark was pretty pissed off about it. Too. Oh, yes, King Shark, yeah. Uh, just to touch on King Shark too, um, he's had he's had a lot of appearances in media lately, and they're all very different. Mm -hmm. um, I find that very interesting. You have uh, this version, who's probably the most competent, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, yeah, maybe the most menacing, I suppose, because he's a little threatening. Um, then you have the the Suicide Squad version, which was he's kind of like a like a big dumb monster. Uh, yeah. and then you have the Harley Quinn version. Uh. Mm -hmm. For uh, who was kind of like a like a tech nerd sort of thing, and he's very <laughs> he's not imposing at all, really, for the most part. Okay. Although I think he does like eat someone or something like that at some point, or or he almost does in the cartoon. I can't remember. 
I've, I haven't watched that Harley show. I got to check that out, man. Cause like, I like it. I like, it a lot. like, yeah, I, I think the cast is really good. Um, King shark is played by Ron Funches. Uh, the comedian, it, it, it sounds weird, but it kind of works. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know who that is, but like, I think in this, like 15 of the characters are voiced by Phil Lamar, right? Um, you know what? In this show, every every voice actor is, is pulling like triple or quadruple duty. Like seriously. That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, because isn't Aquaman Phil Lamar? Uh, is Aquaman? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It sounds a lot like him. Yeah. Uh, Phil Lamar is, uh, is Aquaman and Calder's father. Right. And his like not, adoptive not, father. Yeah. His adoptive father. Yeah. Calvin. Um, he, he does somebody else too. I don't remember who in the show, but he's not, uh, not no one else in this, in these episodes. Yeah. So you, uh, cause you know, Brian and I, we exchanged notes back and forth before we have these discussions. And Brian wanted to talk about how Aquaman, the new Aquaman is, um, you know, Caldor who really became like a big star because of this show. And you were saying that he is like just you know wearing himself down. Um, yeah, they're and- making a big point out of that. You know, he's saying that he's uh, he's doing all these missions for uh, you know. I I always said Aquaman, and then I almost said Arthur. I'm like, no, Orin, uh, Orin. Uh, yeah, he's doing all the missions for for for, the, for underwater. He's still doing Justice League stuff, and you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he has a conversation with Nightwing about. Uh, well, Nightwing has a conversation with him about how he just never slowed down. You know. Not when uh, uh, what was the girl's name that that passed Tula uh, Tula. Tula. Tula or not when uh, Wally died or or um, and not when when Connor, Connor. Or, or they thought Connor died he just keeps going keeps burying himself and he's always had this giant responsibility on his shoulders uh, especially yes. too like you think too um, you know he, he spent a whole season undercover you know uh, as mm-hmm. like a villain and, and even his friends didn't know that's got to weigh heavily on a guy you know. Oh, he had to battle with some of his, some of his friends during that that time. Yeah, and that actor that portrays Caldor, uh, you know, he does a Carrie fantastic. Payton. Who's that? Carrie Payton. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. That that character just has always has that sort of that sense of like a burden, and uh, he's got like a very soulful voice. Like he just seems very wise for his young age. They kind of talk about it in one of the episodes. I think it's in the second episode where he starts talking to his parents. Um, One of the things that I kind of have an issue with with Young Justice, the show is fantastic. But if I had any kind of criticism, it's that sometimes they do these kind of awkward exposition dumps. And there's two of them with Aqualad. Or, I'm sorry, not Aqualad, Aquaman. uh, With Caldor, there's that scene that you were just talking about with Nightwing talking to him where he kind of, Nightwing does like a little recap essentially of like Aquaman's career. And I thought that was kind of awkward, even though those are great voice actors. Then you have the sequence where he's talking to his parents and they kind of do the same thing too. They, they just reiterate what Nightwing says. And the voice acting is great. It's just whatever, it, it just sounds kind of awkward. Then yeah, the dialogue is a little heavy handed, absolutely. But I think with a show like this, if you didn't give that heavy hand, 95% of the viewers would not remember it. Maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's a little harsh, but uh, I think most of the viewers wouldn't remember the, these events just uh, offhand. I um, mean, that's a really good point. And then it, it just begs the question of, is it important to remind everyone of the dense continuity of this show? Like, could we appreciate the show without references to everything that's happened on it? Because like... Absolutely, but I appreciate it more with it. <laughs> Yes. Okay. 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 Cause like, honestly, I didn't even know who the hell his adoptive father was. I knew that um, black Manta was his biological father. Yes. But I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And his mom, I didn't really know who his mom was either. So yeah, did they establish uh, I didn't that? know either. What did they establish that in the previous season? I, uh, I believe his dad was in a previous season. I, I, I don't think his stepmom or it's not his mom. I think it's his stepmom. Yeah. I mean, neither of them is actual. Family. They're both step parents. God, I don't even know. <laughs> that the people that that raised him. Um, I, I don't think. Uh, I, I think we've seen the dad before. I don't think we've seen the mom. Yeah, it's very possible that mom 
got with Black Manta? No, no, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's so complicated. That's the thing that, about this show. It's so different. All right, he was first introduced in season three. Okay, Calvin Dorham, and then uh, Shalina, Shalina was uh, same episode, season three, end of season three. He was uh, introduced. So. Okay. Yeah, it's just this show, it, it is so unlike any other comic book adaptation of a cartoon. It's it's like, it's just so dense. And the world building is just like off the hook. We, yep. we mentioned the Aquaman movie before. They, they like build up Atlantis and its history so much in this show. It's kind of ridiculous. There's all these different city-states. The people act differently. There's like different customs at one point fucking lagoon boy is in the show and he's got a husband and a wife you know you're like whoa what is yeah that was that was a little of a shock i mean they they really like went for it with um the 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 lgtbq community in this year i mean you have uh uh, well we'll get to this later but you have uh violets halo um you know uh, announcing she's transgender um and she's gonna go by they them pronouns you have uh, Calder, who is in a relationship with Wind, um, which which was a sort of established the previous season. I'm not 100 uh, percent mm-hmm. sure about that. I mean, they definitely were together, and they seemed like it, but I don't think it was like flat out said. And then you have that that uh, that threesome there with uh, Lagoon Boy and those other two characters who I did not know previously. Yeah, yeah, and I was and they're really having familiar. a baby. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Any questions? Whose baby is it? Is it? I mean, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it I, gonna I, have big red eyes, or is it gonna have like a, a like a you know humanoid face? Yeah, I mean, they probably will show it. They will yeah. probably see the baby at some point, you know, because they made a big point of it. But like Lagoon Boy, I wasn't even really familiar with him until he died in this comic called Heroes in Crisis. You know, the Tom King kind of dark story. I, I mean, maybe he was on the Teen Titans at one point, but I, I really don't remember him besides I, that. I don't know him at all, but I mean, he's been in this show quite a bit. Uh, yeah, but, uh, right. At least since season... Wow, he was in, he was in season one. Wow. Uh, wow. He, he mainly appeared in season two, though, in the uh, which was the, the, um, the Blue Beetle stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. With, yeah. The, the, the yeah. Reach people? Yeah. Reach, yeah, yes. Right. So, I mean, it's just crazy because there's all these like background characters and then they have their own histories and you're just kind of supposed to keep track of all of it. And I just applaud the show because even though they do have that awkward dialogue that is like a recap of things, there is just stuff that you're just supposed to remember. And there's so many characters, you know? So, I mean, I I feel like I said that every time we discuss this show. So, (laughs) So, one thing that we should touch upon, though, is that Arion, the founder of Atlantis, shows up in the first episode. He's, he's kind of a mysterious figure in the very first episode, and we learn more about him. But essentially, Ocean Master attacks this uh, conference that's in Poseidonus, and um, there's this prophecy that there's going to be these, like, three heroes coming together, and it's going to herald the return of, like, the true ruler. And um, he is the ruler. They just showed him in the previous story arc when they showed the sinking of Atlantis. Um, and, I mean, they showed, like, a statue's head fall on him, right? In that arc? Uh, yeah, it was heavily implied that he was dead, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you think, like, the implication is that he, like, maybe snuck out? Or do you think that he was well, smashed and he, like, just healed? Um, It's a comic book thing. I, I mean, you know, it, it's those last second rescues or death defying stunts that they always happen off screen and all that. Just, I mean, maybe they did intend for him to be dead at that point. And they said, Oh, you know what? We want him back here. So maybe he didn't die then. So right. Um, right. I'm not really sure what, where, where to land on that one. Do you think that he is actually Arion or do you think it might be a clone? Well, now that, now that we've, we've established that uh, ocean master is a clone. Uh, it's a good question, but I mean, we have to also take into consideration that Arion is a descendant of Vandal Savage and potentially, you know, is, is immortal. So it's very right. possible that he, he did die and he came back just like Vandal Savage or he lived and he's just been around hanging around in shame for, uh, hundreds of years. Uh, it, it, it could go anywhere. Yeah. 
this show does such a fantastic job with Vandal Savage and his children. Uh, it does a really great job of just connecting all the different DC mythologies together. And if they were to really try to make like a um, DC like version, like a MCU type DC universe in the movies, they could use Vandal Savage as like kind of like a linchpin to connect everything together. Um, and then I was going to say that there are still some characters that, that were in that underwater sequence that I wanted to reference too. They had like people that were mer people, like the little mermaid with tails and stuff, right? Yes. And, and uh, they, there, was, there was also a character too with, with Arion. Uh, the, the, there was a scene there. Was, Arion was talking to this uh, female mermaid character whose name started with an S, and I don't remember it. But uh, uh, yeah. they disappeared somewhere. We don't know where, where they ended up. That's where we ended off with that storyline. Yeah, yeah. And, and Topo showed up. Topo is like kind of a classic Aquaman friend. A lot of people make fun of the fact that he has like this octopus friend. Um, he had like a kind of a Cthulhu type getup where he had an octopus head and a, a body. But, you know, yeah. in the comics and stuff, he's just an octopus. Um, my, my kids, they have this Aquaman book where the Justice League goes and visits him in Atlantis. And Topo was just floating around and he goes on Aquaman's chair and Aquaman says, get off the chair, you know. <laughs> but um it, you know it's just it's just a lot of fun there's a freaking like man that's like a whale essentially and they call him blubber his name's blubber yes uh aquaman had all oh, orn had to go save him from the the, the deadly red water um yeah. and actually that's a good segue too is i want to talk about i i like that they're setting up uh you know who should be ruling kind of thing there everyone seems to be cheering for uh for Arion. And I, I definitely felt before that they knew who that was. And when they were first mentioned that prophecy that um, Oren was was questioning his, his leadership and, and his place. I mean, when they're fighting the big red flame thing that uh, the, the child produced. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's like, uh, and what am I supposed to do here? You know, because Mira was trying to contain it and Calder was uh, protecting him with the bubble. And he was just like, uh, oh, I do crowd control. Like he, he felt less important. So I, I think... That's an interesting way to approach that, and uh, I'm I'm very interested to see more of, of that uh, as we go. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I get to rescue Blubber, you know. And so, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. It is. There's always that question of like who truly can rule Atlantis, and I guess we'll find out if uh, Arion is a clone or if it's the real deal. And he himself seems reluctant to want to become the leader of Atlantis again. He he considers it his failure that Atlantis fell. And, um, you know, he's just been living in the shadows. So we'll see what happens with him. Um, so then besides all this underwater stuff, then we also have the return of Superboy, which I think that's a big deal for fans of the show. Uh, Superboy, for me, I don't know how you feel, but he, he's like one of my favorite characters on the show easily. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, we saw him come back uh, at the very end of the last season, one of the last scenes I think we saw. And we all kind of knew it was coming because it was a little too um a, a little too vague and mysterious when, when he he died with just the you know the ash circle of a of a, of a body there yeah um but I, I like that they spaced it out a bit you know we've had that was the first arc in the season and we had two more and now we're, we're coming back around three three arcs later yeah yeah and um a lot of people are speculating that he's in the phantom zone one of the things about the phantom zone is that you're not able to touch other people that are there. You know, you're like essentially intangible. And we see a bit of that in his uh, kind of adventures there. There's like a creature that he encounters at one point and it seems to be targeting, targeting his rage, which we know Superboy has a lot of anger issues. Anger issues yeah. 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 I, that was, actually, I really love that sequence because um, to calm himself down, he just envisioned, him sitting with uh miss martian and he's like working on a bike and he just kept hearing yeah. the uh the wrench or whatever it, it for some reason it reminded me of me and my wife even though i don't have like a motorcycle and she's not a martian or anything but it just is like this like and they're holding hands together i, I really like that sequence a lot and he's with yeah uh, a woman go ahead oh i i i like these sequences um they were kind of short and there's not much too much dialogue in there because it's really just one character speaking but uh, I mean, yeah, I totally agree. It's the Phantom Zone um, because, you know, it's Young Justice Phantoms. Uh, Phantom Girl is there with him. Um, they're intangible, like you said. Uh, it just seems that, like, if it's not the Phantom Zone, like, I don't know what the, what the hell is going on. Yeah, um, but one of the things I like most about 
those sequences was um, he's as he's trying to traverse these various rocks to go somewhere. I don't even think he knows where he's going. He's going. Right. Um, he starts envisioning uh, first he, he sees uh, McGann. Uh, then he sees uh, uh, Wally. And then finally he sees Clark. And then then he snaps Clark's neck. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I thought it was interesting uh, how, and I was honestly nice to hear Wally there, even though it wasn't him really there. Right. Yeah, I, I love sequences where you have characters sort of like envisioning what another character would say, even though they're not there. Like maybe they're just in their mind. In this case, he's probably in this weird dimension where like your visions sort of come to life. And there's always been that real awkward interaction between him and Superman. Superman's never known how to treat him. And, uh, it, you know, obviously it seems like a lot of his rage is directed towards Superman because he kind of has that vision, like you just said, where he yeah. kills Clark. Um, we then cut to Clark in, in one of, probably one of my, uh, I thought it was like the funniest sequence in the three episodes where he's <laughs> like in Bibbo's diner and the two Legionnaires yes. come up to him and they're like, you know, hey, uh, we want to talk to Superman. And he's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he flies up to them later and he's like, oh, oh my, my friend, friend Clark, Clark told me to come talk to you. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and they they're, like, they're, like, they're like, what the, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just kind of like highlights that sort of that cornball nature of Superman that, you know, yeah. people sometimes make fun of. But I think what's, what makes the character so great. Um, and then they have this thing where essentially he has to fulfill Superboy's destiny since they think Superboy is dead. Uh, and they tell him essentially to be at Happy Harbor like 10 years from now at a certain time of day. Like, what the hell do you think that could be about? I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming it's some big cataclysmic kind of event. And I hope, I mean, I, I have a feeling we're going to get some kind of resolution with the with the Legion by the end of this season. But I hope right. that the show goes on long enough to show us that event. Yes, yes. Um, but I don't know how long that'll take, but I, I hope we can get there. I mean, yeah. they've done time before, but I don't know. If, I don't know if ten years is too much. Right, right. I feel like we've kind of talked about this in previous episodes too. That like maybe they're eventually hinting towards Final Crisis, and maybe that could be like the Final Crisis event. I don't know. Well, like, it'd be as weird far as that Final Crisis would have something to do with Happy Harbor, other than the fact that that's where this show started. Right, right. It would be kind of like this full circle thing. Yeah. Um, as far as like Superboy in the comics, and, and one thing I want to point out too is that this version of Superboy on this show is my favorite version of Superboy. I like him better than the Superboy in the comics too. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Jeff Johns' version of Superboy, which was like on the Teen Titans team when he was writing that book. And that version of Superboy died in Infinite Crisis. So that could also be a thing that they're alluding to or like it might be eventually they'll have like their own version of infinite crisis and maybe that's where he's supposed to die i don't know we all certainly do know how much dc loves their crises and uh, yes. we have really haven't gotten one of those in the show yet so that would actually make a lot of sense that we're gonna end end it with a crisis or yeah. maybe not end, but, yeah they've done a lot of stuff with dark side on the show but they haven't done anything with the anti-monitor right yeah not yet yeah, yeah. so may maybe they're eventually going towards that we'll see so, so the, other um, thing, the other thing I wanted to uh, just before we move on to the next topic, there, um, I, I really appreciated the um, the, the detail and the time travel that they spoke of. Um, because mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out why they haven't gone back yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. because they, they told Superman they assumed that that him hearing that and then he would just be there and then they would just go back or something would change uh, for them and it didn't. Um, they mentioned that they they traveled there in some kind of machine and it broke. And then they say something about like, oh, have we been hit by too many chronotons or some some kind of weird, <laughs> some some yeah. crazy phrase about like that. But I, I did I like that layered approach to time travel, which is a very um, ridiculous idea that is really cool, um, and that everyone tries to explain in a different way. But I felt like it was a little different, and um, I, I like when they try to add some kind of. Re realism it's not realism because it's still all MacGuffins but they're, they're trying to make it a little more believable you know the, or the, the, it's not as like free and willy-nilly as some other things make it seem yeah yeah I, I love that stuff too as well you know there, there's different versions pretty much in every story you have time travel there's like different rules right just like with vampires they have like a different rule for everything 
like you have you know rules that are in Bill and Ted, then you have rules for Back to the Future, rules for comic book stuff. And um, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I did notice that part too. Um, you know, Danny and I had recently watched this documentary in search of tomorrow, and they were talking about Back to the Future, and they were talking about the rules of time travel in that. And then, um, did you watch that movie with Ryan Reynolds called The Atom Project? I haven't watched it yet. No, it's pretty. It's pretty mediocre. Um, but th they kind of in that movie did almost like a commentary on the MCU movies uh, because they talked about different timelines being created when you time travel. And Ryan Reynolds is kind of like, "Oh, you've seen too many movies." Like he's kind of dismissing the idea of like creating timelines. So. Like I was gonna, this isn't part of our script or anything like that. But I was gonna ask you, what's your favorite type of time travel rules? Do you oh, like the Back man. to the Future? Do you like creating different timelines? What What do you personally prefer? I mean, I, for for me, I guess it's Back to the Future. That's like, I guess that's the first taste of time travel I got. Yeah. Um, and it's it's uh, it's really the only thing I can think of right now because after you said it, um, yeah. And it, there are so many uh. Yeah, I, I like that one because it's like you you can go back and you can affect things and for the better or for the worse, and you know th there's there's consequence to it and it's not just like going back and having fun and, and everything resets itself. Um, I, I think I think in, in the the instances where it's like you you go back in time it creates a branch or an offshoot that's kind of scary to me because it's like you know you're essentially if if you like let's say you left uh, a doom timeline. And you, you think you're going to go back and fix it, but like that timeline still exists and all that horrible stuff still happened and it's still happening or, or, or everything stopped. And you, yeah. know, you know, you know, it, it's kind of very bleak. So I, I kind of like the back to the future style because it's like, there's some, some hope with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that one. It's just like, Oh yeah. Well, I guess that doomed timeline is just there. You know, everyone that died there is still going to be there. Um, and I think that's kind of the approach that they're doing with Marvel they're making it with the mcu because they're making it like you can't change the past they try to change the past in end game but it's like that all that stuff has happened we can only take things from the past to kind of fix the future um or yeah and so um i i, I do like that type of time travel though because it's sort of like the most realistic it's not like magic where you can just kind of fix things um but I mean, we'll see what happens with this show with the Legion of Superheroes, right? And then yeah, and, and, and to close off the loop with the Legion too, uh, the last thing we see in the second episode, I think, is uh, yeah. we see the the the, the human, uh, the alter ego with like the whatever you're gonna call them uh, of of uh, Saturn Girl and Chameleon Boy going to talk to Kid Flash, and yeah. Anytime there's any kind of big crisis and all that, I mean, I, we, you always kind of think of Flash and uh, and the first uh, crisis on Infinite Earths where where he dies. And I know we already had Wally die, and uh, but maybe they're setting something up here for him in, in that sense as well. Yeah, in in the comics, there was this whole arc called the Lightning Saga, where they brought Wally back from where he was. He was like in a different timeline, and the Legion of Superheroes actively were the ones that were trying to bring him back to the present so maybe it's getting influence from that i don't know it was um when brad Meltzer was right in the justice league so it was you know so that was a long time ago but it might have something to do with that we'll see um so then just two other things uh you already kind of touched upon this but like violet you know slash halo she's decided to go by the pronouns they them um in that scene she goes and she talks to the the biological mother of the essentially like the body that she took over right and yes. um the the mother they, they had this whole conversation about wearing a hijab right I'm, I'm pronouncing that correctly right yes yeah and it just kind of blew my mind because you just don't see these kind of conversations in cartoons in general especially superhero cartoons it was just like a real adult discussion about being a woman, being a Muslim woman, um, choosing your gender, choosing your identity, real deep stuff. And I just really applaud this show for, you know, thinking, respecting their audience, that their audience yeah. can handle this stuff, you know? Totally. And and uh, similar to what you said before about um, exposition, I mean, maybe the dialogue here is a little heavy handed, a little exposition, but 
I still think it's fine. Uh, I, I think it's 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 really cool that they're a, approaching this stuff at all and with such detail and passion, truthfully. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, the pr- the problem with fandom in general is that there's so many different branches of it, and there's it, it's it ultimately seems polarized where there seems like there's a, a fandom that wants to be very inclusive, wants to hear different voices. Uh, wants representation for all different types of people. And then there's the fandom that wants like the kind of the old school, just kind of white male superheroes. And there's like kind of a clash over it. And that becomes so much of the dialogue. I, I, I like Young Justice because it's like, you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. It's not all just about sort of, you know, establishing new characters and, and that are representing everybody. That's a big part of it. But there's also the crazy cosmic DC shit. And there's like all, all the aspects of DC are covered in the show. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, no. And, and I feel like Young Justice really sits right in the middle of that there too. It's it's it, it's keeping the tradition of the old and then bringing in new things, which I kind of feel like where we sit in the, in the spectrum there. Like I'm not, I'm not opposed to all this new stuff. I'm not opposed to changing the old stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the old stuff. I appreciate the new and the new directions, the diversity. Um, and yeah. No, no in for that sense. Yeah. It, it, well, no, but you know what? It kind of transitions to our last point about Young Justice that we can make, which is that one of the shows that has gotten the most pushback about kind of pushing the envelope and representation is Doom Patrol, which you and I just finished our run covering season three. And boy, was I fucking happy to see Robot Man at Beast yes. Boy's intervention. Yeah. So and also, uh, this- after- yes. On. Harry Payton, same one that does uh, Aquaman, Kyle Durham. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, so he kind of was channeling Brendan Fraser a little bit, didn't you think? Totally, totally thought yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but obviously not as many F-bombs. <laughs> right, right, right. And I, I felt like the way that he was drawn, the way that he was animated, even more than the live-action show, it kind of captured the idea of, like, this is just a brain in a metal bucket, you know? Yeah. You know, because on the show, on the live action show, his eyes kind of move around and stuff. But in this, it's just, you know, just a bird in a bucket. Um, <laughs> he really tried to help Garfield with his um, intervention. So did, uh, I think he had Blue Beetle, right, was there. And yeah, Jamie, Jamie Reyes, Blue Beetle, and uh, was that Static. static? Shock. Yeah. Yeah, and so Static again, and then Wonder Girl. Wonder Girl. Right. All characters that I love, actually. I'm a huge Blue Beetle fan. I love the static, the original static comics. Big fan of those. Um, Garfield is just not having it. And it's kind of funny because he's talking to some characters that have like suffered probably as much as him. I mean, Cliff has definitely suffered as much as he has. Yeah, especially with the, uh, the, the all the name drops they said. Uh, I, I believe it was, was it even Gar that said it about all the losses experienced? Uh, and uh, they, they name. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, and then they named out basically everyone from Doom Patrol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because they said negative woman. I don't think they said Larry. They didn't. They said negative woman, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I guess that was supposed to be Valentina. Yeah. Um, it, they might have even said Valentina at some point. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but that, that was my assumption. Yeah, they said his mom. They said Rita. I'm pretty sure they said the chief. Um, yeah, they definitely they, said chief. Yeah, they said Ted, which I'm assuming that's uh, Blue Beetle, but there's a couple of Ted's in DC. Could have been also um, uh, Wildcat, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a Ted, too. So I- I'm assuming, though, they meant Blue Beetle, the original Blue Beetle, though. Yeah, I would imagine, because he's, he's died a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, that didn't even work. And so we'll see, like, the, the big kind of to-be-continued moment for that was, you know, he has to go to at least one psych evaluation from black canary or otherwise he's not going to be on the, any of the teams so yeah i mean I, i'm i'm curious to see um what his response was I, I i was i was about to say like he's not going to care but i i guess that he has to give up his fancy room he probably just want to do that <laughs> um, but i i mean it, it, this is an interesting turn uh i'm glad they did something like this i think last uh, the last part of the last arc i was speculating that you know he might be suicidal and I'm still not totally ruling that out in this year. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I am very interested in every one of these storylines. And speaking sure. of that, I, I feel like uh, this has been the most 
diverse they've been this season with storylines. Like they've they've generally had an A and a B story, but this is like A B C D E F G uh, this time, <laughs> and, and um, it's it's much more feels a lot more like you know seasons one and two and, and to a lesser extent three. Yeah, uh, and I, I I really like that, and I think my absolute favorite thing when we sort of touched on this in the beginning with the uh, the Aquaman stuff. Yeah, I love that this all took place during the last arc, or half of it did at least. I love right. that it's it's crossing over in that in that sense. Um, it, it's almost kind of reminds me of like that weird fourth season of Arrested Development where you got like clumps of of the same character together, and then you'd see it, it coming into various points and repeating. Um, but I really appreciated seeing that and just seeing the continuity there because it was kind of lacking uh, the, the larger world was lacking because they were focusing hyper focused on these little storylines. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a really good point. It is really cool when things are like simultaneously happening. And, and that's of course what we saw with like the chaos magic that almost destroyed Poseidonus, you know? Yes. So, but I, yeah, but uh, you know, we're going to move forward with the show. I think that we're going to find out what is going on with Arion and uh, I think Connor's going to get closer to maybe coming back. And, you know, maybe that'll be what'll help Beast Boy get out of his funk is Connor's return. We'll see. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. All right. Well, so then we're going to shift gears and we're going to go over to the next MCU show. We're going to go over to Moon Knight, episode one, which was titled The Goldfish Problem. Um, I, I like to do a little background story whenever we cover one of these uh, MCU shows because it's always very interesting, like, who they pick to make these things like it's like oh what were they thinking like what kind of theme were they going for what you know what kind of uh, genre are they trying to evoke because all these shows are different genres so um the showrunner is jeremy slater and uh he actually co-wrote the screenplay for the fantastic four movie that was in 2015 yeah and then he also co-wrote um the live action death note movie have you ever read death note by any chance i have not yeah yeah um, it's a manga and my daughter was reading it. I actually read a little bit of it. It was really fucking fantastic, but I think that people were not really fans of the Netflix movie. No. And I think Willem Dafoe was like the monster the creature. creature. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what his name is. Yeah. No offense to Willem Dafoe, but he kind of looks like the creature in the manga. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Jeremy Slater, besides that, he also was the writer for, they had an Exorcist TV show, and he was a writer on there, and it's funny, in my notes, I wrote, he he has written for the Exorcist TV show and the Exorcist, so I, I <laughs> there's some other show that he wrote that I, I, I guess I didn't write down the name, but <laughs> wherever the case is, there's six episodes, he is the showrunner, and then you have one director directing four of the episodes, and then you have a duo directing two of the episodes the director that directed this first episode his name is mohammed daib and he is an egyptian screenwriter and director and i was actually really happy to read that because this show really leans heavy into the moon knight egyptian mythology so yeah um do you feel like this show is similar to anything in the mcu we've seen before um, I would say maybe the closest thing might have been like either Doctor Strange with a slight crossover of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, so far. okay. That's uh, I feel like a little bit, but it's it still feels fairly unique. It feels very separate. I I can't imagine how they're going to cross over into things. And I, and I saw your suggestion, uh, which we'll we'll bring up later, I suppose, but. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if that would even work. Um, okay, because it, it feels it feels very different. Um, but yeah, I I do appreciate the all the Egyptian stuff, and I, I don't know, like you mentioned, like what what kind of theme is this? Like you know, um, uh, like what genre? The, yeah, yeah, what genre is like? WandaVision was like sitcoms, and then uh, Falcon Winter Soldier was like uh, like spy stuff, and then. Uh, what the hell was Loki? I don't know what the hell to call that. <laughs> You're like a Doctor Who type sci-fi yeah, adventure. There you go. Yeah. And then so this, I don't know what to really compare this to. Like, like what the what the genre or gimmick is for the show. I can't figure it out yet. Yeah, 
that's that's a really good point. What's interesting about like the Moon Knight character, right, from the comics, is that he's he's a, he's like a street level hero. He's like Daredevil, right? And he's and he's like Batman. People always compare him to Batman, but he, he kind of fulfills the same functions as Batman. But such a big part of the character is his mental illness. Now, the the Egyptian stuff comes up a lot, and it's in the especially in the modern comics. They they really play up the Egyptian stuff, but in general. It's always like there's the Egyptian stuff and it's fucking with his mind, but he's always doing like street level stuff. So like just picture Daredevil, but he's a lunatic, but he's still doing the Daredevil kind of stuff of just fighting thugs and and like the Kingpin and, and stuff and like street level bad guys. That's what Moon Knight is like. Yeah. It's not like he's oh, yeah. really fighting like God level people. And yeah. um, it, it seems like it's going to be a little bit more of a supernatural twist here than we're used to seeing although i mean he freaking debuted in werewolf by night so i mean i i guess that that that's really in play too so yeah um in in the show you know there's there's a lot of supernatural stuff it, it kind of reminded me of like percy jackson and the olympians it, it, are you familiar with that stuff at all or yeah i saw i saw the two movies yeah yeah i, I read all the the original percy jackson books to my daughter and so that's what kind of the vibe i was getting i was like oh is this like a adult kind of violent Percy Jackson. That's kind of, you know, it's like, what is going on here? I, and there's even like a Percy Jackson series that's all about the Egyptian gods too. But um, mm. in the comics, he doesn't have like a fucking scarab that's magical. There's no, there's no shit like that in the comics. Yeah. He, he just puts on a suit and is a lunatic that beats people up. Um, in this, you know, you have all these sequences where Oscar Isaac is, um, you know, Ted Grant, right? There's another Ted right no, there. No, 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 it's Stephen Grant. Stephen Grant. I think I did that shit. Ted, like Grant. Ted Grant is Wildcat. I know. I always do that. I always do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's got this scarab. And at one point, you know, uh, uh, what the fuck is his name? Um, the actor. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Thank you so much. Ethan, you know, Ethan Hawke's trying to get the, the scarab from him. And, and his body's like moving and contorting to keep it away. Like that doesn't usually happen in the comics at all. So it, it's kind of implying that the scarab itself has like magical powers. I think that, like, at the very end of the episode when his suit kind of comes to life, I think that's because of the scarab. I don't think that's, like, inside of him. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's, the scarab probably has something to do with it. Uh, and I, I think, you know, we have to bring in, uh, bring up the, the personalities here, that that the, the suit and the, uh, seems definitely more tied to Mark Spector. And that, right. that's honestly, that's the personality that I'm most familiar with. because That's generally the primary persona of his and you know steven is a is, is an alternate um right. and and you know steven was fairly different than i remember from the comics too because he's he like kind of wealthy like playboy almost like a bruce wayne-ish sort of thing right and right. uh definitely not that in this in this show which i mean that it's, it's fine but i felt it was a little jarring to have steven be the the entry-level character here and uh and I'm I'm very curious. This is a little more like an acting kind of question, but like, what did you think of Oscar Isaac's English accent? Okay, I, I'm so glad that you asked that question because when you look up, you know, on the Wikipedia or whatever, it talks about the decisions he made to portray this character, and um, he purposely made it to where the accent was not believable. He he based like interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He based um, his character on some kind of like foppish British sitcom character. So, so like he, he's basing that character on some like over the top British character from a show. And then um, there's other personalities. There's essentially three personalities based on the Wikipedia. There's um, him. There's you know Stephen Grant. Got it that time. Stephen Grant, uh, Mark Spector, obviously, and then there's also Mister Knight, which is that sort of the kind of he's in wait, a wait, suit. What about, what about, no 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 isn't the third one the taxi guy the the taxi guy well he, in the comics he has multiple personalities but like in this the mr knight is the other one i thought uh, okay i thought it was like jake jake something yeah well yeah there, there is in the comics there's that but in, the, okay. in this i don't think they referenced that at all right not not yeah i don't think they did but i, I mean yeah okay yeah i'll let you continue stop interrupting <laughs> No, no, it's all good. I, I, I ramble a lot too, so please. But like um, Oscar Isaac was saying that he was like kind of playing up this like Chicago kind of mob guy for Mr. Knight. And then 
the uh, Mark Spector type is supposed to be this kind of like efficient killer because, you know, he's a mercenary. And so those are the three types. And he wanted to do a different accent per personality. So those are the three. And I know that, like, he really used this one book that was about the disorder that uh, Mark Spector has, that um, disassociative identity, identity disorder. disorder. Yeah. Yeah. So he kind of, like, used that book as his Bible. And so I, I appreciate the effort he's put into the character. It, it can kind of seem like he's so over the top and ridiculous as this British version. But I think he's doing that intentionally. Yeah, uh, I I was definitely a little put off by it. I thought like I, I thought it was a little bit too much, and I, I wasn't totally buying it. But if you're saying that he's doing that on purpose, okay, I'm 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 in. I'm I'm cool. Yeah, and and we haven't met his full supporting cast yet. Like one of the characters is um, her name is Layla El Fauli. That's the character on the show. She's played by uh, May Kalamoi. I hope I'm saying her name right. Kalamoi, yeah. And that's the one. That's the one that uh, he talks to on the phone. That he the flip phone he picks up, right? And, and she even says to him, "She's like, what's up with his accent? You know, you have this weird accent." Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's it, one of the interesting things about that character is is we're going to find out that she's an archaeologist as well, and that um, the director of the show, Mohammed Daib, wanted that to be an Egyptian character, so that's why they made her like Egyptian. So I, I like that. Yeah, you know, I, I just I I want the show to have an Egyptian representation in it since it's using so much Egyptian mythology, you know? Yeah. I'm definitely down with that. Yeah. 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 So, um, and also, did you know the voice of Khonshu that you heard a couple of times in the episode? Yes. Uh, it's F Murray Abraham, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do do you like him? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not like super familiar with him, but I definitely recognize the name and I had to go look up what I knew him from. And I can't even remember what that is right now, but um, yeah, I, I would say so. He he plays a uh, practice in the Last Action Hero. Oh my God! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So he's he's that. I mean, the most famous role he has is Salieri in Mozart. Yes. He's like Mozart's yes. rival or whatever. And then um, he's also in Star Trek Insurrection. He's like the villain in Star Trek Insurrection. Yes. With all the makeup on and stuff. Um, but it was interesting because. He he sounds real condescending when you hear him talking, and he keeps referring to Stephen Grant as like the idiot, and he wants yes. Mark Spector to come in and take control. What I, did you think of the sequences where he would kind of like black out, and then he would wake up, and he had done some kind of crazy violence? Uh, I, I like those sequences. I, I thought they were interesting. It was an in- interesting way of showing that something's up here, that he's not something. He's getting taken over by something. They they didn't really. I, I feel like they didn't really flat out say he had uh did um and I, I for a time i was thinking uh, just watching the episode i was thinking that maybe they're going to take some kind of weird twist where it's like uh it's some multiversal thing or like a like a swapped personality just to maybe distance it distance the character from the stigma of mental illness but i, I, I do remember uh, i i i in between watching the episode and, and recording this, I saw an interview with Oscar Isaac where he does mention uh, the, the, the mental disorder. So I, I, I think that is going to be still in play and at the forefront here. Um, with Kanchu talking, I, I got a little bit of a vibe of like Venom and it kind of off put me a little bit. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> because it was a little too jokey, I guess. Right, right. And, right. and, and I know that's a staple of the MCU to, to in, insert humor everywhere. And I, I generally do appreciate that, but... Um, I don't know. I, I feel like this show needs to be more in line with like Netflix Daredevil than with anything else that's sits in the in the MCU. Yes, that is a very very good point because that is what Moon Knight is. He's just the weird guy that fits in with Luke Cage, Daredevil, Spider Man. He's one of the street level guys. Yeah, he just has this weird background, you know. And um, I was gonna say that the episode feels very very different from that because. He's like in a British village at one point, you know? Oh, so, oh, that village. So there are some people speculating online that that might be Laveria. What? Yeah, I don't know why or how, but some people just saw a mountain village. They saw, they think they saw a castle in the background or something. Um, so, I mean, okay. I mean, maybe that's going to be the Mephisto of this series. Uh, um, but I don't see how, I, I just don't see how or how that, Doctor Doom or Lavery would really fit in here, unless it's just a location, 
and it's not right. actually Dr. Doom being here. Like, I, I just can't see that fitting in here. Yeah, that would um, really draw interest in the show. Because one of the things is when I'd be on Twitter, <laughs> I'd see a lot of people be like, I don't care at all about Moonlight Night, or I know nothing about Moon Knight. I don't care about Moon Knight. And to suggest that there might be any kind of connection to Dr. Doom at all would get people to tune in. So I could see that, and it probably won't be anything at all. Um, I actually could not see people gathering in a town square to like listen to a guy who's like a prophet in Latveria because I don't think Dr. Doom would allow that, right? No. Right, right, right. Um, but that would be a great post scene, uh, post credits kind of scene to throw him in. And it'd be interesting, right? Because like I said, Jeremy Slater, he wrote that uh, Fantastic Four movie. So it kind of could be his yep. like redemption, right? To bring him into the MCU. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, speaking of the prophet, let's talk about Ethan Hawke and uh, Arthur Harrow. So you said that he's only appeared in the comics like once. Yes, uh, he was in like one issue in the eighties, and he's more like a like a mad scientist kind of villain. And he worked for some like organization, and or worked with an organization, and uh, it was implied that he would return at some point, but he just never did. <laughs> so this this character, uh, very. Very little to do with with the, the version we're seeing uh, in in the show here. The only kind of similarity you can see is that uh, one of the the hallmarks of the character was that he had this like like weird um, he had like a facial disfiguration that was kind of like a, a painful paralyzing something something to do with his face. And yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I maybe you can draw some very loose lines to uh, Ethan Hawke breaking a glass and putting it in his shoe and walking in it. Um, oh okay yes yes uh, maybe but uh, other than that it it seems like name alone you know because that character was more science-based and this is clearly more spiritual based right right like supernatural yeah absolutely um yeah I'm, I'm really glad that you referenced that scene in the very beginning because i thought that was like sort of the most different kind of sequence than we've seen in, in the mcu where yeah you know, he shatters that glass and he puts it in his shoes and steps in there it reminded me of this movie that I saw. One of my favorite movies last year is called Saint Maud, and it was a character that was like a de- she was devoted to you know Christianity, and she put something very sharp in her shoes and stepped in in them, you know. Um, so I think that was probably an inspiration. And that sequence, you also had some kind of like I think it was almost like a country song playing during that sequence, and then you had some like oldies music after that with Oscar Isaac too, you know. So. It's just like very different. And I think that for Ethan Hawke, um, yeah, it, it is like he's not that character from the comic. They just kind of took his name, I guess, essentially. But it seems like the character of Amit or like the uh, Egyptian god Amit, it, it, like he is not necessarily the avatar of, but he is a prophet of, right? Yeah, I would think that. Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you think that he did to that old woman when he judged her? with the scales do you think that he like took her soul do you think he just like just killed well, yeah her? i mean it's like the like a the devourer of souls or something like that um so yeah i i, I think that he it, it she i think it's a she i could be wrong uh okay. devoured her soul yeah okay okay yeah um and he has like obviously he has like you know people that work for him there's people that were serving him in the museum that steve stephen grant worked in um so yeah, that was one of those weird things where it's like you know that uh, we saw also saw in like Falcon and Winter Soldier, like uh, you know you have the the villain walk in somewhere and you think you're in public, but nope, you're surrounded by all their followers. They just happen to be everywhere all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, it just got me thinking, like, how many freaking like weird cult things are there going on at the same time? And you know, it it, it, it always brings up that thought of like, what the, what the hell is everybody else doing while this is going on? Like, we're yes. all the other heroes. And I know yeah, they- maybe in like the MCU, maybe like, you know, one out of every five people is just a normal person and everybody else is like in a cult or is it yeah. Hydra or is a scroll, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you're just the weirdo being the normal person, you know? It's like, oh, what cult are you in? I'm like, oh, I'm in this one. Oh, okay, that's cool. I haven't heard of that one. Right, yet. right. Which is kind of funny because the comics kind of are like that too, but yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true, yeah. Um. But I, I, I dug it. You know, I haven't disliked any of these MCU shows yet. 
I've had issues with each of them, but I thought this was fun. I, you know, I, I want to see where they're going to go. There's only six episodes and often with Marvel, there's sort of like a main villain and then there's like kind of like a background villain. But I feel like we really focused heavily on Stephen Grant and didn't get to meet other characters that much besides Ethan Hawke. So I think there's a lot of like meeting other people and, you know, just kind of building other stories too. What do you think? Yeah, this was very introductory. Although I'm, I'm going to say that here that while they usually do have that hidden villain, I don't, I think Arthur is just the villain here. I think that's just going to be it. Like I don't think okay. there's going to be a, a larger force behind him or anything like that. Or, uh, you know, even, even another minor villain is like a henchman. I, I think this, this, that's just it. This okay. Time. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll do more stuff with the gods. Um, I don't know. It's good. Business. No, I think you're right. And, and that kind of brings up that my last point I wanted to make about this too was, I, I don't know if you, you were kind of saying that you don't necessarily agree with me, but I think that the post credit scene will be something I'll connect it to Thor, Love and Thunder. And I think that, um, you know, obviously we're getting Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher, and he goes around killing gods from pantheons. He almost wipes out all the gods in the Marvel Universe. I think that, like, we're going to have a sequence where he's going to show up and maybe try to kill Khonshu. Maybe he'll show up and try to kill Amit. Like, maybe they might do something to where Amit's power is reduced um, or it's, like, imprisoned and he comes in and kills it. Maybe you'll have a god from another pantheon like the greek mythology or you know thor's people come talk to moon knight i i really do think that there'll be some kind of connective tissue to thor uh love and thunder I, mean, I, I, I don't think that means moon knight will be in that movie but i i he could be too i, I have no idea see that that's that's to me where the big disconnect is is that Yes, the, the, we're talking about gods and a pantheon of gods and, and you know, uh, and different pantheons interacting, uh, you know, all together. But it because he's such a street-level hero and Thor is very much fantasy, um, I, I just – I don't see it. I, I don't see it working. Um, okay. I, I mean, I totally see that, that it, that's, a, like, a great idea that, you know, to have Gore show up and connect it. But why why connect Moon Knight and Thor? Um other than that that god connection um yeah. i guess at the same time it would be weird if, if they're like oh here's the egyptian gods but oh they, they're not involved in in you know the the god butcher stuff in, in love and thunder so um let's pretend they're separate uh and then that would be weird too so uh i'm 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 honestly wondering if this could be the the first truly standalone mcu series that's not connected mm. to anything you know yeah, yeah. Um, no i hear you I, I don't know, man. I mean, because I guess like if we don't go with the God angle to kind of tie it in and if we don't do Dr. Doom, then maybe you could have some kind of reference to a street level guy, like maybe have the Kingpin show up at the very end or, or Daredevil or something, you know, like in yeah, a post credit That doesn't feel right because that, that that's like um, this feels more like it's versus a cult and that would be more like an organized crime. And I, I and those I mean, while that that is kind of something that he would do in the comics, uh, I don't think that's going to mix here necessarily. Like, like the, the Kingpin doesn't really get involved with like supernatural uh, elements very often. So, um, I, I I'm really I'm really gut feeling here is that this is not going to be connected to anything. All right, just keep shooting down all my speculation. That's fine, you know. I like to imagine this stuff gets me excited, but it's okay. We'll just box this shoe box this show right here. You're the optimist, I'm the pessimist. There you go. There you go. I mean, um, who knows? Who knows what the hell's gonna happen with this show? It, it could also be that like Mark Spector goes to New York, and that in itself is the connective tissue. It's just like right now he's in Britain. Maybe by the end of the series, he's going to New York and he's like, Oh, look, there's the Avengers Tower or something, you know, and that could just be it. So <laughs> I should go join them or something. Yeah, yeah. And Moon Knight has joined the Avengers, and Jason Aaron, who has done the, the gore, the God Butcher stuff, and Thor, he has done a whole big arc with Moon Knight and Khonshu and, and the gods, too. So I think that there's still a possibility with that, but, uh, you know, I guess we'll see. we got five more episodes to go, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that could still happen. But uh, with that being said, next week we are not meeting because Brian is going on a, a trip. I'm, I'm very jealous. And a, a well-deserved trip for him and his family. Um, 
and then we'll meet up in two weeks where I think I guess we'll talk about what one episode or one episode well, of Moon Knight and we should probably, we'll probably go back to our normal Wednesday. So we'll, we'll do yeah. two Moon Knights and then the the previous week's Young Justice, like we 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 did with the previous seasons. Okay, and for Young Justice, it's just one episode per week. One per week, yeah. So this should go okay. for June or so, I think. Okay. Um, unless we want to shift to Thursdays, I mean, and just do Young Justice when it's free, and you know, do Moon Knight one day late, and then Young Justice day of, rather than you know the previous week, the day before the new one. It's up. To yeah, up I, I think that that's wise. I think that maybe we should do that, right? Because that's the cool thing about this episode tonight is it's pretty current. It kind of matches up with everything. Yeah, I like being current better because I remember when we did when we were doing it uh, like this for. With Peacemaker, I, I would watch the episode immediately on Thursday, and I'd have to watch it again Wednesday before the show. Cause I'm like, what the hell happened again? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just uh, doing it like you know when it's more current, I, I think is is more uh, beneficial. And then you know when when we don't have an HBO show to watch, we can go back to Wednesdays where you know when when it's just Obi Wan or uh, Miss Marvel or uh, the Boys or whatever it is. Actually, the Boys is going to be a totally different day. <laughs> oh jesus christ well you know what we are flexible we are flexible middle-aged white men that love toys and books and stuff so we'll be here to give you all your content reviews for free just make sure you like and subscribe if you haven't done that already and brian and i'll be back here in two weeks talk about some more moon Knight and talk about some more young justice y'all have a good one <laughs>